Okay. Hey, Good go. rap. Good All rap. right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Califia mm, Farms. Fine. fine almond milk. They have a couple of red things that just rolled off the product line. If you want something that's creamy with coffee and delicious, try out some of their nitro cold brew stuff. They have three different kinds. They have a New Orleans. They have a mocha and a latte. Yes, sir. Three different flavors. Those things are so good. They're so creamy. And uh, you can also look on their blog. Chris and I have been putting together some things for the old uh, the recipes that you can use these drinks with. The Calafia stuff is really good. Central American coffees, Colombian coffee go into those uh, products. And they, they froth. They froth. They, they foam. They they're, cream. They're cream. Cream foam. Cream foam. Get a nice cream foam. Yeah. It's thinking different. Anyway, check it out. Yeah. And uh, thanks a lot, Calafia. You guys are the bomb, and I really love your products. Respect. So much respect. <laughs> Uh, you guys in the world, we have ourselves an intro to do that says, welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. This is Jared Truby sitting with Chris Baca. Whoop, whoop. We are in Santa Cruz, just down the street from our soon-to-be brick-and-mortar location. And you know what that means, Chris? It means next week, Friday, August 26th, we are having a super fun and informal hiring fair the secret is you will not get hired that night but you will leave a lasting impression if you come and tell them anything more what else i mean five to seven p.m that's correct it's going to function in an open house style so you don't have to get there right at five but you maybe should and we're going to break people up into groups and we have some fun little things that we're going to do together to get to know you and you can get to know some of the other people around check out the building but i think it's going to be really busy it's hard to get a job in Santa Cruz. It's really, really tricky. And every hiring event we've been a part of in the past has been blown out in like the best way possible. So we're, we're excited to meet a bunch of people. Hopefully there'll be some people that we know too. And this is going to be the pre-gamer, maybe phase one of several interviews. And if things go well, you know, we might invite you back. We might invite you back. Yeah, so the idea behind this is really to allow people to come in and, and holler at us and make their presence known. But it's also an opportunity for us to find that core group of people. We're going to be looking for somewhere between five and nine people. It's, it's not determined yet. And we are really hoping that that core group of people that start this company with us are going to be the same people that are with us two years down the road and ready for us to or ready to help us plant more of these things and really represent our company culture we're not trying to hire people who are just going to be baristas for the next six months with us and be at the cool coffee shop so if you're thinking about coming take that to mind real quick before you pop over um don't try to fool us we really need the serious people (laughs) fool me once can't get fooled again not gonna not gonna (laughs) wouldn't be prudent not gonna work here no more Uh, a couple other cool things that are going in the mix uh companion bake shop Santa Cruz's most majestical bake shop over on the west side is switching over to our coffee starting next week. Yeah, so the twenty second. This will be Tuesday. Well, Monday after you come to our pop up, you can basically taste the coffee there forever. It'll be the only place in existence where you can drink Cat and Cloud coffee all day, every day, all day, every day. So. Huge shout out to Companion. They've been super supportive to us in a bunch of different ways from letting us use the pop-up. They employ me part-time, which is great because I needed a job. And the crew over there is really awesome. It's like a really good working experience that I've had there. Just to get to know a whole new group of people on the west side. I'm on the east side of Santa Cruz. So I met a whole different community, which is just badass. Aaron and Stacy and the whole, the whole squad over there is great. 
Chris, Sarah, the Bakers. I don't even want to name more names, but good squad over if, there. If you need coffee, West Side Santa Cruz, you should cruise through there. We're, yeah, we're super stoked. We've had some wholesale here and there. We've been shipping to quite a few places, but this is our first like anchor account. Like, yeah, all the way through. And that's it's a relationship account for sure. We're going to be using their their pastries and bread at our shop. And um, you know, while I'm at it, I do want to give a shout out both to Stacy and Lizzie uh, over there. They have been filling in while our our boy Tanner is on a little road trip. Stacy and Lizzie have both stepped up and uh, made coffee with us at the pop up, and they have been so fun to work with. Uh, for all y'all who don't know, both Stacy and Lizzie were managers at Verve a while back. And they worked alongside Chris and myself. And uh, there's two more weeks, actually, that either one of them is going to be working with us. So if you like to see that old school crew together, take the opportunity to come by the pop-up this Monday, 7 to 1.30. They're great. They are great. They're also married, and they kind of met before they worked yeah. with us at a training. It's funny. So it's pretty weird to think that we've known them We've helped bring them together. Let's just say that. I mean, we've known Lizzie we'll since, since before. Yeah, I mean, since the Abbey was fresh, when Sarah Peterson and them all founded the Abbey, they came to that the first regional I ever made uh, a finals at. They were there supporting Sarah Peterson, and Lizzie was like 14 <laughs> years old. She was like 12 and a half. <laughs> yeah, she had like a like a like a what's it called a poster in the audience, like go Sarah P. <laughs> and they were like cheering it on. It was such a badass crew. Anyway, they, I feel like I've helped not helped watch to them grow up. It's I've helped really you cool. become a real human being. <laughs> yeah. Stace, you've been... They're great top. baristas. They're both really... They both kick mega ass. Really good. It's, yeah, Lizzie made third at regionals. It's legit. Yeah. yeah. Regional finalist. Yeah, she's... Stacey's also a regional yeah, finalist. Yeah, they're both pretty awesome. Yeah. Anyway, we've talked a lot about these people. We love them. They're also good friends. While we're shouting them out, we're going to shout out Vertigo Coffee Roasters. They just hosted a throwdown last week that we all went to. Jared and I emceed. It was great. Some of the... Some of the judges were Loke Dog Santa Cruz. Yeah. We got Nada. Nada's, uh, yeah. Shell from the Abbey. Uh-huh. Shelly. And um, Elliot from, from over San Jose. He was a judge, too. He's but, a, yeah, two out of three Santa Cruz. Pretty solid. And that crew over there, there was a really good community. People drove up from San Luis Obispo from a shop called Bella Mundo. We had ritual folk, four barrel folk. We had people from all over San Jose north of the bay and um like near vallejo like homeboy from Pinole, dude yeah it's like there was a really good turnout and vertigo vertigo is like the dark horse of of coffee out there dude there that people don't know about them get out there they got beer they got coffee they got food and it's all good and it's worth that little drive to san juan batista to have yourself a little happy times Happy time. <laughs> Happy times. <laughs> Happy days are here again. It was here again. It was here again. Speaking of happy days, I'm I'm like happy as beep. Get ready to see I the just, photo. I just censored myself. Yeah. Rolled on down to the building this morning with Jared, and it is getting crush groove over there. There's some stucco on there, coat number one. They put in our roll-up doors for the roastery. Jeez. That's like the biggest thing for me, I think. They got all all the windows are in and all the big glass sliding door on the front is in and all the papers pulled off of all the windows so there's so much light coming into the building it is different. That's like a game changer it is so sick feel like you're in a whole different avenue it's yeah a, you know it was looking good but it was kind of dark and now it's like boom i mean basically on the external all we have to do is one more little layer of stucco and paint the whole thing and the external is done with the exception of seat outdoor seating 
So the building from the outside is about to be what the building from the outside is going to look like forever. Yeah, you're getting pretty close. I guess there's some lights that might go on there, but there's some lights in the sign and, and like small things, some accoutrement. Yeah, if you will. But other than that, it's like it's almost done to the to the naked eye, which is such a trip. It's pretty tight. Yeah. When the color goes on there, it's going to change again, even more hardcore. Yeah. And the like the little wood finishes on the on the patio. Mm-hmm. So we're just we're just excited, proud parents, ready to jump off and make coffee for everybody. The energy is hot too. We were standing in the parking lot, and it just feels so good. It does feel good because we're on. I'm not trying to brag on it, but I am. We're on this corner lot, so we have the the building is all to ourselves, and we have our own parking lot. So once you step onto our grounds, there's like this energy that happens that's like solely our energy. It's yep. like the cat and cloud energy is just feeding you, and I kind of like that. Yes. It's, it's a different game. It's something we want to maintain forever. So anybody who's interested in hiring fair, remember that. I've never worked in a place that had the building, like with that being the only building on the lot. Right. You know, I've always had like a next door neighbor mm-hmm. or lumped into something else. So it's kind of cool to have a space that you're just on your own little sweet island. Yeah. And we, we can, were close to other people. We have cool neighbors and the cool neighborhoods right there. But but it's our own little we're, corner. We're dominating that little pocket. Yeah. And we it's can sick. continue to improve it over the years, which is going to be cool. Yeah. And then... To go in that that little garage, I just got a photo sent to me from Matt over at San Franciscan. A roaster is done, and it looks bad <laughs> ass. <laughs> I freaked out when I saw it. It looks so sick. It's uh, I put a little teaser photo on Instagram a while ago, and you can kind of see the green color of it. Poseidon green. It's like an ocean green. It's is bad to the bone. It's that and a combination of raw steel and it's going to be Richter. Jerry it's just had special. a sip of coffee that he really liked. Yeah, I just tasted our most recent roast of the answer. And anybody who's going to be drinking that at home, it just cooled so well. It made <laughs> me so proud. He made it. He made a nice, happy face. You know, speaking of speaking of we got a couple questions in relation to um, our space and roasting that we might as well just, just answer because they're sitting here and it seems perfect. Did you want to get into the answer? Oh, my gosh. It works so many different ways, you guys. Wow. Um, so I have a friend. Her name is Elise and I don't know her, but she wrote in. So we just <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend that I don't know, but, you know, maybe one day I'll know her for real. Um, she is asking. She wants to reach out to ask more about our experience in deciding our retail shop location. She said, if she can recall correctly, one of us has a history in Santa Cruz and we both kind of do. Um, But how did we consider proximity to competition in our community? Did we look at traffic counts and ratios of population to existing shops? Or did you simply feel a connection to Santa Cruz and look for the space that best fits your need? The reason she is asking is because she is looking to open her own shop somewhere out there in the world that we're not going to tell you. And there's a decent presence of second wave style shops, but a limited number of retail spaces available. We still think there's room for a third wave style shop in the community, but no space seems to have everything we want. We've considered tiny spaces in great food foot traffic areas. And we've considered large functional spaces further from foot traffic, but easier for commuters. In the end, if we have a great product, great service and our location isn't too out of the way for consumers how much do you think our location will matter granted our two corners of the country are much different okay so there's a dead giveaway they're not near california but your perspective on the subject would be extremely helpful thank you so much for your time i look forward to continuing to learn from you guys and thank you for listening elise so i mean let me tell you quickly Santa Cruz was always the jump off for the initial store. Yeah. 
It sure. never, there was never even consideration. Well, that's not actually true, but it was always the place we wanted to open. And until we got over our fear of the world, we, I mean, we, we almost convinced ourselves one time to start looking elsewhere, but really we always wanted to open here and we just weren't being honest with ourselves. Yeah. We were like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like the wrong thing to do. And they were like, no, this is where we belong. And we didn't do traffic counts or anything like that, but you got to understand that Jared and I know this town very, very intimately, especially the neighborhood in which we opened our shop. Jared was here around 2007. I moved here in 2009 from working at Ritual and we were in this neighborhood, you know, since then understanding basically everything. It feels like home, even though it's not, I didn't grow up here. Yeah. You didn't grow up here either, but this is home right now. And well, and I also have a, I mean, a unique experience. So I was the original employee with a guy named Sean White at Verve Coffee before in its founding times. And I moved from my hometown of Chico. I had never lived anywhere else with the exception of college. And I moved to this town, Santa Cruz, that I, I knew I knew nothing about this town. But I knew that Verve was going to be something special if we made it something special. And I believed in the team we had. So I moved here. And all I did was invest time and energy and love into this east side Santa Cruz location area. For the first three months Verve was open, there might have might have been one day off. And it was all day, every day from like open to close. So, I mean, for three months, all I did was talk to the community. And so I really found a love for these guys. Uh, and so there's there's also like an inherent knowledge of the area based on just being here in that level, like so focused on service and and doing something. Right. That kind of bleeds into something else that she's asking too. Is that at that time, there were there were no other third wave shops. There were a lot of second wave shops. There was maybe like a second and a half mm-hmm. plus. There was somebody trying things going on, but there were there was nothing like what you see now. So they were kind of ahead of the curve on that one. So I would say don't let it deter you that there's not any third wave shops in your area. I don't know your area. I don't know it at all. It definitely wasn't easy here. I mean, I remember the first time I came to visit you and see the store, I was sitting in 41st Avenue. You guys were open. There was nobody else in there and yeah. really not a person in sight. It was slow. And this, yeah, this part of town was actually still very early in development. So it's a little hotter over here now uh, in old 2016. But at the time, and I guess that's what, it's almost 10 years almost later. 10 years yeah. ago uh i mean the thing is is i was always extremely confident in what was going down because i felt like we just had good coffee and we were putting out a really amazing service and and our space looked really unique at the time and it was really nice but i think what you need to consider is i mean if this is your hometown find a place where there's a lot of people that know you because people want to support you if they know you and I believe personally in small spaces. So ultimately it's going to come down to your model and what you want to do with a space. But you have to always think about what you're going to be passionate about. Like if you're just trying to open up a coffee shop and you're trying to cater something to your guests, that's fine. But if you're trying to cater it so much that you're missing out on what you would like to do with the space, then you're going to have a hard time putting out an authentic message and that's going to tire you out. So do you want to be in a small space where you only have a few people working and maybe crank out more drinks? If that's the case, awesome. But in a good way, that'll require less 
income potentially because it won't cost as much to buy, to have as much space and it won't cost as much to have as many people working. On the flip side, you might um, need to have a faster service model. And if you don't like the idea of having a faster service model to make that money, then you have to consider the other option, which is more space for people to hang out and do X, Y, and Z. Right? I mean, it's... I don't know you well enough based on what I read to give you a, an actual answer. But that's my... My my idea is this. Even if I had a huge space, I'd make the service area small and have less people working in it and make it really efficient and able to crank and find a good opportunity for people to hang out. Yeah, there's some clues in here. So all things being clues. E- so yeah. all things being equal, I would take a small space in an area that I know has good foot traffic over a bigger space out in the cuts. Yes. Any day for sure. All the days. Guaranteed. But that when you say in your email that you know maybe the the bigger space isn't too out of the way for easier for commuters maybe you have a big commuter culture or a big like kind of drive up or drive through or pop in and get coffee culture or hot so i don't know if that's the case but if so that might be a good thing for you but i'm all about the small in the densely populated areas I think people are lazy in the sense of that, and I'm lazy too. It's where I'm going to get coffee where it's the most convenient. Mm-hmm. Verve is across the street, like literally from my house, and I go there to get coffee. If there was a different coffee shop across the street from my house, I would probably go to that different coffee shop. Ooh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I don't know the answer for myself. Yeah. I'm just saying for me. Yeah. And I think for me. For, for me. When am I going to find the coffee shop for me? <laughs> someone who loves me i want someone who loves me for me so for me <laughs> i do not want that dude i do not, not want that. not metaphorically metaphorically no, no. literally no literally no but we I'll, just sidebar you i hard. mean I'll, yeah sorry convenience is a huge thing to think about when when you're getting coffee in the morning i think that there is a thing as a destination place and i feel like in a lot of ways we will be one but I really only, I feel like that only lasts for so long. So when we open, there's going to be people from the like West Side, <laughs> people from Seabright. They're going to be coming yeah. to our shop to get coffee. But the reality is, is that like someone who lives on the West Side of Santa Cruz, we're not going to be their morning coffee shop. Yeah. No matter how much they love us. Right. Because it takes 20 minutes to get across town. And for most people, that's just not feasible. They're going to use their triangle. They're going to be like time, money. And what was the other one? Uh-oh. Time, money, experience. Anyway, they'll be weekend. They'll be weekend warriors. Yeah, exactly. So I guess everything that I'm telling you is I have no idea because you know the specifics of your situation. But that's how I personally feel. Yeah, try to stay true to yourself. Uh, the other side is, and you just wondered like how we picked it. We wanted to be on the east side of Santa Cruz specifically because that's where, like I said earlier, I invested my time. So that Santa Cruz is is odd, even though it faces the ocean. It's actually east and west because it faces south and everybody gets confused and they're like, why isn't the sun setting? And they're like, is that Japan over there? But it's actually Monterey. Anyway, <laughs> is that Japan? Yeah. We're like, yeah, no, it's Japan right across yeah, the way. You there. can see the little, <laughs> it's there. Yeah. Stack towers. Um, so, I mean, we wanted to be on the east side of Santa Cruz because that's where I also surf. Chris is involved in a lot of things over here. He skates over here. So, I mean, the surf community is really strong in Santa Cruz. So I have, I have like a coffee community, but then I have a surf community. Chris has a skate community and a coffee community in there. There's like a lot of mishmash of people that we know and that we used to serve coffee really consistently that we have true relationships with. And so for us, the best way for us to jump off in the most meaningful way would be to serve the people that we care about. And so we wanted to come back here and do so. We also had a dream location 
which was on True story. 38th. We're on 36th in Portola. There was a big empty lumber yard on 38th in Portola that they're actually now going to develop into something else. But we had always talked about if we could get that. It's huge. It's way too big for us oh, yeah, but it was, at our current state. And it was before we even for sure were going to do this. Yeah. We were like, man, if we were going to open a shop, we could have a shop the right there. And our shop now is basically a one block from there. So it was almost like a dream come true in a weird way. I mean, and it all is serendipitous because I, I called a guy. We actually didn't expect to get this exact as far as our location and where we wanted to be. We reached out to Dale Friday, our our landlord, who did retail, uh, retail residential. And I hit him up to see who I would talk to for commercial. And he had happened to have just bought his first building. And it happened to be a perfect fit and we happen to get a lease like one week later. So there's a little bit of something special moving alongside us. That's helping us get there. Um, and I think that's crazy. I actually saw Dale today, our landlord and he's like, man, the space is insane. I'm so proud of you guys. How crazy is it that you just like called me on a whim and then you had a space the next week and we had no idea this, you know, he's just like, it's such a trip to him even that it's even going down like this. It's pretty weird. Yeah. So we're, we're pretty much blessed slash lucky and that's bad to the bone. Uh, I think that covers basically all we're going to be able to answer for her at this point. Right. Yeah. It's hard to know without specifics. Also, if somebody writes us if you write us and we address one of your questions on the podcast and you have more information hit for it. us hit us with more information send us another email be like i heard you address this these are my specifics and we can dig deeper into it too right so we're, we're down with that and then speaking of roasting chris speaking and of our new roaster toastadora somebody wrote in about toastadoring are you ready for it? Uh, yes. Well, first off, we're a blast, according to them. So <laughs> cannons are way. But for real, because they don't want us to get too big of a head because okay. we got huge okay. heads, okay. obviously. Keep, keep it down. Keep mm -hmm. it down. We're, in, it down D we're in DK mode all the time. Dory, uh, Dory. Y'all have become a major asset to those of us who are paying attention <laughs> in the world of roasting and specialty coffee. Shout out to all those people who aren't paying attention. Um, now... <laughs> Let's get down Shout out to my dogs that can't even afford to pay attention. <laughs> I feel you. Um, the question is this. There is brass tacks, which is awesome. Yeah, we should get down to brass tacks. Let's get down to brass tacks. Don't I step on them. They can hurt. Brass tacks? Don't want to hurt them toes. Probably like three inches long. Anyway. Painful. Roasting on an SF6. We're about to roast on an SF25. Cool stuff, huh? Cool stuff. Uh, charging at around 400 degrees Fahrenheit, turning around a buck 85. After hearing Deaton on the CNC podcast, we're slowing down more from the 280 to 340 to work the sweetness and it's rocking. Um, Deaton in a previous episode suggested that if you slow down your roast and do kind of an S curvy thing around tree fitty, that you will develop more sweetness. Uh, we'll speak more about this in a second. Do we have any thoughts on when to slow down? 250 question mark on the gas and how to or how long to slow down and how long should that phase take they use artisan which we're currently using it's a it's a technology for the computer that tracks roasting curves and whatnot we're using that out at vertigo currently um since we incorporated this into the rao-esque technique our coffees have become sweeter for sure i'd love to hear a bit more about our theory on Deetster. The, the Deetster. The Deaton. The Deaton. And his style. You look like Deaton Piggott, bro. <laughs> Much love from Team 
bros at the bro coffee roaster. I'm not going to talk about what they are because that Larry, Larry David is anonymous. Yeah. Larry Davis Davis remains a David. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So here is the deal. Deaton roast coffee the way Deaton roast coffee and we roast coffee almost nothing like that. And I think we only briefly talked about that on our podcast because it was more about Deaton. Um, but everybody's got different styles. And for us, we actually, for us, we it doesn't we work that way. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we have don't have an S curve. Yeah, we don't use an S curve in our, in our roasting. Our roasting is pretty Rayo esque with a couple different little departures. But for the most part, we've had the most tasty coffee when we kind of subscribe to like the completely declining rate of rise the whole time. We're getting as close as we can to that and mm-hmm. not like having that little s boop, 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 yeah definitely bump we uh, want like a buttery smooth we little <laughs> buttery smooth buttery smooth man and we will approach we'll approach the amount of heat we give it like you know as in as in terms of how hot and how long we give the heat you know slightly differently for each coffee but it's always the most the most flames at the beginning and the least flames at the end and our airflow increases throughout the roast um, so the most airflow you're ever going to have is at the end. Correct. And we try to make a really smooth curve. Um, and honestly, here's, here's what I think about our coffee. If I were to taste it objectively, I think that our coffee is really, 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 really sweet. And it's amongst truly, I think some of the sweetest coffee that I've tasted out there on the flip side, our coffee has less acidity and maybe juiciness than other people's coffee. And I think our coffee has um, maybe less of that pop and in-your-face varietal characteristics that people may associate with like the quote-unquote specialty coffee world right now. But in my opinion, I think it tells a story and tastes good throughout the whole cup to when it's cold. And I think the complexities come out in different places than the coffees I'm tasting. And that's not just to toot my horn. I just obviously and i hope everybody else out there like my coffee the best because it's my coffee it's roasting what we want so if you think it's weird that i like my coffee the best i think that's also weird because hopefully you like your coffee the best because it's your coffee (laughs) yeah i mean it's just like anything else if you build race cars you want to build your favorite race car yeah i built this race car but i think the other one's cooler yeah (laughs) if you built your own home you want to make it exactly how you want it because you're gonna have to live in it and it's (laughs) like that's how we feel about coffee. It's like we roast it the way we think it's the bomb because we're going to drink it all the time and we want to share that with everybody. And it's totally rad that people have different styles. We've said this a bunch before. Like how boring would it be if everybody's right. coffee tasted the same? Like how lame would it be if every restaurant had the same style of food? You would go out of your mind. It's it's not even – it wouldn't even be good. It's not yeah, it's and not it's, preferable. It's not even a better or worse thing. It's I like my coffee the best. <laughs> right. And I like other people's coffee a lot also. You're like, I like American food. Well, I like Indian food. Well, you're wrong. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Indian food is for sure better. You can palak paneer your way out of here, bro. Yeah. Well, I'm going to burger myself to death. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who made it best? Anyway, so yeah, we actually don't do that. Um, I mean, as far as like generalization, sure, I can talk about... We have some sort of general places where we turn back the gas and it's somewhere around 280 to 310, 20, depending on what's going on. You know, initially, initially. Yeah. And then we, we typically notch back. We typically notch back like three times standard in a roast. 
and then we'll then we actually have to like manhandle roasting sometimes because we want our curve to look the way we want our curve to look right yeah if you have an idea of what's going to happen this is how i approach it and you approach it in a similar manner we just do like a little bit different things like yeah so we'll have basically an idea of the coffee we're roasting an idea of what we want to have it taste like and right. there's think about like a transparency like a overlay like in high school you know or how they put like in math class the paper yeah they put the paper over the other paper and it's got the graph oh on yeah it. so you're like this is ideally what will happen mm-hmm. you know i know that i'm going to need to do this then this then and this then these mm-hmm. are my three base adjustments but roasting coffee is like a living breathing thing right so you're never no just going to stick to the map and be like okay well i made my adjustments but it's not really looking how i want to but i'm just going to ride it out man right it's going to ride it out like you have have to have freedom within that framework to make it taste the way you want so let's say we you know we have those three base adjustments we might make seven during one roast depending on what's happening right especially in the tail end of the roast oh yeah i mean this isn't a controlled environment you're working with an organic product and nobody in their right mind should be able to say well this happens at this time and this happens at this temperature because it doesn't and for operation's sake, I think a lot of people do that and their coffee probably turns out fine. But Chris and I are a little more neurotic and we feel like we can taste those intricacies. So we mess with it. Yeah. A gotta, lot. You got to play with it. Yeah. Um, and then as far as like uh, we've said it before, we typically do development percentage somewhere between 17 and 21 percent. And uh, in all honesty, our development percentage in our espresso one of the coffees gets up to like 23% and the rest of them are sitting around 19, 20%. Well, and some are even lower. The naturals are lower. Yeah. And the naturals are like 14, 15% sometimes like more time under the curve. Right. You know, you have to think about that. You, people talk about it in buckets. You can't talk about anything in an isolated bucket. Nothing operates in a vacuum, right? Yeah. So like except space, space is in a fucking, Sandra Bullock, dude. She's just floating around <laughs> out there, man. I'm talking about space, man. Jenny's like, do you want to go see that movie? And I'm like, obviously not. That looks horrible. Gravity. One person floating in space for two hours? That not up here. scary. I'll have a panic attack at night. I think it was true. You know, I mean, whether it's charge temp or development percentage or the drop temp, you know, when your roast ends, like none of those things by themselves are indicators of quality. Right. For example, if I ask you, like, how dark is it? And you're like, I dropped it at 410. Doesn't tell me anything. Could it be like a nine-minute 410? Right. If it's a nine-minute 410, that's totally different than a 14-minute 410. Yeah, oh, there's yeah. A big, there's a big discrepancy there. You know, how much area under the curve do you have? How much heat were you applying at first? What's your batch size? Right. You know what I mean? A 400-degree charge on, like, a half batch is a lot different than a 400-degree charge if you're maxing out your roasting capacity. So, right. you know, it's there's all of these different things, like how... And even on the Geeson right. to the Probat, they're, so different. they're, like, pretty similarly sized roasters. The Geeson's a little bigger, right? Yeah. But even the, the Probat seems like it should be able to take more capacity than it does, but the, the sweet spot for the batch on the L12 is pretty small. It's, like, 12 pounds, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's not you for us. For us, yeah. For what we're trying to do with it, that's that's kind of where we're maxing out. We yeah. could go a lot bigger. You know, the Geeson's a 15 kilo, a little bit bigger capacity, but you could run it pretty close to max capacity if you want. Right. It can accommodate. It's just more powerful. I mean, and it's also interesting. And maybe it's not just power. Maybe it's the way the air is going through right, the machine exactly. and all those other things. That's where I was going. It's, yeah. It's right. like bigger batch than your airflow. There's like less space in there for air. And like, do you have to add more air? Maybe you do. And they, the, the, Coffees change flavor a lot, even with very similar curves, 
based on batch size even it's kind of freaky (laughs) right yeah so you got to find your sweet spot and ultimately again like uh deaton's got his style we've got our style and it's that's the that's makes the world go round if it tastes yeah if it tastes good to you like if you've employed deaton's techniques and your coffees taste better for it you should probably keep doing that yeah you're in charge of you you know and you should be stoked on that and play with what works but yeah i mean i guess what we're trying to say is do what's right for you and take every single variable that you can into account. I think this is a problem of people not talking about roasting enough. And I don't know whether it's they're trying to hold on to a trade secret. Or I know for me, when I first started roasting, I didn't want to talk about it a lot because I was afraid that some of the things that I were doing were wrong. Right. Or outside of the normal box and have people who had been roasting for longer be like, you do you're that, an idiot. that's lame. Like you're you're dumb. And I'm like, I think it tastes pretty good though. Well, I wonder how many people because there's not that there's just not that much. I think Roasters Guild is actually going on right now. It's happening right now. Yeah. So while I'm saying not a lot of people are talking about roasting, there's a whole bunch of people talking about roasting. But overall, not pe- in the scheme of things. People don't talk about roasting as much as they talk about right. espresso extraction or coffee extraction or, you know, TDS extraction percentages and all those things and how they people understand how that works. Is there a, a forum for Roasters Guild where they can all post curves and talk about flavors and like trading coffee and stuff like that? There's a there's a Bay Area Roasters group on Facebook. Right. And then the Danny Goot and that whole crew are doing a lot of events at right. like the Berkeley Coro, which is like a really cool roasting space. They have a, a few different styles of roasters. You know, they got the Loring. They've got like drum over flame roasters and they're hosting all kinds of events in conjunction with the BACC, which is the Bay area coffee community. Those are valuable. Those are cool. And it's just little discussions. They had the, the roasting panel Mm -hmm. stump the roaster a few few months ago. And, but uh, on a global scale or like a, I don't know. Why don't, why doesn't somebody just start some sort of forum where roasters can just straight up trade coffee and, curves and then they can taste them all together and then they can talk about what happened and what they like and what they don't like because i mean there's also the whole thing where it's like styles are so it's just interesting you know it's like for me if i could taste all these different coffees and see what they got out of it based on their curve we could just like learn so much more yeah so quickly and you don't even have to like their coffee the best it shouldn't be about like critiquing it and like your what you like of it it should be more broad and like your perceived acidity and your perceived sweetness and finishes and all that stuff and then talk about it and be like, why do you think that happened? Yeah, it's interesting because you get to add... I just think about it as adding ammo to your arsenal to where maybe if you're not going to do that thing that that other roaster does, but they're like, this is what I do and here, taste it. This is what happens in the cup. You're like, okay, cool. That's not my favorite thing, but now I understand how that applies. Right. Now I get what that does. So that's something that I put in my back pocket. Maybe I need to use it one day for a coffee that's a little bit different or mm-hmm. I just can't get what I want out of it using the standard methods that we normally use. It's, right. just, it's just more knowledge, more information. I think people are afraid of judgment because I know I was. So maybe I'm projecting. No, I mean, I get the idea of being afraid of judgment for sure. I used to be so self-conscious. In fact, somehow I'm still self-conscious of that stupid latte I throw down. I'm like, I pour good lattes. And then as soon as it's like, Jared, time to pour. 
And we're like, oh, we're going to pour it? And I'm like shaking. I'm like, what the hell? And well, every competition I've ever done, you still shake. That's and different, I think. D- right? I don't know. Because that's like... I mean, some. I think at the base of it, whether or not I felt this way, I was like, people are going to think I'm not good at latte art. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. It's less about nerves and more about what do people think about me? Like, yeah, because you're quote unquote somebody, but then you're nobody. And it's well, like... Jared's going to kill it. And if he doesn't, I'm going to kick him out well, of my Well, that's what's group. so weird because to me, at the, actually at the base of it, supposedly, I feel like that's totally fine and it doesn't matter. But deeper than that, so many layers in this onion. Maybe there's like insecurity there. So people maybe don't want to talk about it in that way because they're like somebody like us are going to sit here and maybe people think we're ripping on Deaton style, which I'm going to go on the record and say, we're absolutely not. We tasted this coffee. It's fine. It's good. We like it, but it's just funny that there's insecurity out there. We're like, where's the safe place? So we're, we're here to provide you with a judgment free zone. If you want to talk about roasting, we will totally talk about roasting. If you want to send a curve, talk about it. That's great. Speaking of shout out to Jared Carr. He is going to send us some tasty East Pole coffee. He's going to send me and Chris and Charles some coffee with the curve and all of his adjustments. And I'm going to send him coffee back, the same exact stuff. And we're going to talk about it based on what we taste. And he wants me to critique it, but I'm going to tell you online that I'm going to critique it, but not like, not in a way where I talk about the, like what I like. I'm just going to say, hey, I feel like the acidity is high here in this part of the cup and the sweetness is here and this is kind of what I taste. What do you taste? Because we're also in different parts of the world with different water and all that crap that people also seem to forget about. It's like no way for us to have the same experience everywhere. Yeah. It's impossible. Plus, it's like, what are your intentions too? Yeah. You know? Maybe just have a good time. If you think the coffee has way too much acidity, but he's like, I want it to have crazy acidity, then, you know, he's hitting on all cylinders. Boom. And then you got a different preference. Freaking shake the room. Whew, that was a roasting rant. That was fun. I got I got some energy from that, man. I feel excited. I'm, I'm rolling hard right now. Not on not Whoa, on ecstasy. Chris, stop not doing on ecstasy. E. Stop doing E. We're cool. We're, <laughs> we're super cool. Let's see the next one more question. What's how much how long are we going? We've been talking. Yeah, 15 more minutes. Wow. Look at us go, you guys. JT's gonna fish for a question. I'm gonna give another Bay Area shout out back. I'm, I'm feeling the feeling the Bay Area right now. I just got back from the Sprudge and Lamar's Oklahoma event last night. I went with Charles, aka Chuck Jack, to Four Barrel, which was awesome. And I've been to like three or four events in the past couple months, and it's seriously been the best thing ever. And I love that people are doing stuff in the Bay Area and that the coffee community is really, really coming together. The Sprudge podcast. They did it live. They had four guests last night. It was it was rad. I was really excited to see Jen Chen because I like the stuff she does. Trish was over there. It was it was basically wild in the streets. So check out the BACC. Check out the Spredge podcast. And go get yourself a Linea Mini. Shameless plug. Get it. Jared looks like he's got something exciting. Oh, this one's, this one's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like this because it's perfect for this coffee world right now perfect for the world all right so this person is director of coffee especially coffee roaster in this place in the midwest or so because we're a pair of masochists my wife and i decided to start decided to start an ice cream company we started selling our ice cream from a cart this spring popping up outside of like-minded businesses and attending food truck rallies and outdoor markets it's been really well received and our goal all along has been to have our own brick and mortar shop where we will serve a manner of delicious frozen treats as well as delicious coffee. We're currently planning for our shop and hope it 
will open within a year. Our dream is to have a place that facilitates community connection through beautiful food, service, and aesthetics. Our motto is ice cream for all. And I'd like that motto to be reflected in our coffee program as well. I envision a fairly simple menu that's approachable and accessible to customers who just want good coffee. But it's awesome for coffee aficionados as well. While I'm happy to nerd out with people about the processing method or crazy tasting notes of that wash yurg, education is not the focus of the coffee program at our shop. I want the coffee side to be a no-frills affair that cranks out tasty drinks quickly with excellent service. The ice cream will be the flashy showstopper, while the coffee will be the solid backdrop. Make sense? Hopefully this helps give it a bit more of a picture where we're headed. Any additional things you think we should be thinking about as we move forward with this vision? And here's why I want to put this on. I love... You're doing it right. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. And I love, love, love that you don't have to hit everybody in the face with all the information. And we've shared this in the past before. I just love that you're being intentional and you know what you don't want out of your service and you know what you do want. And that is this great service, nice aesthetic, quality product, and you know how you want to deliver it generally. Um, I would just suggest that you put maybe less options for questions around the coffee as best you can. Um, and not in a way where, and I don't think actually most of the world will think it's shifty that you don't put a lot of stuff on there. For instance, our flagship blend is called the answer. And that's because we want it to be an approachable coffee that anybody can drink in any format. You can put it in espresso, you can put it in coffee. And while there's a ton of information about all the coffees in it, that's not the point. The point is I don't want to think about it. I want to trust you that it's good and I want it to be applicable in all these areas. So we're like, let's call it the answer because it says exactly what we mean for it to be. Yeah, it's there for you, no matter what. Yeah, and so I would suggest maybe finding a way to do such things as that. So while maybe you're selecting a coffee um, roaster or people or whatever, how you're gonna do that, if you roast it yourself, make things a little more general and don't put on it, this is the freaking burriti from and, and you don't say, and everybody's like, what's a Bariti coffee? Or what's a Gatamboya? And you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what any you're of that cool. stuff means. It's coffee. You know, find, find a way to get that coffee quality that you want and make sure that it's simple. And that is so okay. I like, I feel like if I want the information, you should know it, but it should not be something where you judge the whole experience based on the amount of information available for the, about the coffee. That's just a stigma that I hope is going away. I do too. It's just unnecessary. It's definitely... Especially if you're not a coffee shop. Right. You know, they're in obviously in love with ice cream. Right. And that's, that's their passion. Perfect. But also enjoy coffee. So mm-hmm. why, you know, not having a huge focus on coffee should not keep you from having an awesome coffee program. Yeah. And if you talk to wholesale providers and they're like well, you're really going to need to put this on the shelf and you're really going to need to learn this and you're really going to need marketing materials. Yeah. And it's like, we really try it's You should probably not go with that wholesale provider because they don't understand your needs. Right. You you want someone who's going to be in your corner when you need the information, but not mandate that you take this. That was one of the biggest things that I used to hate when I do wholesale is like restaurants, places where coffee is just an addition to the menu. Oftentimes the coffee wholesaler would come in and try to like flip this whole system on its head. You right. know, like if you're putting coffee into a kitchen 
it needs to integrate into the workflow of the kitchen. It shouldn't have to be this big old extra thing that's like a pain in the ass for the bussers or the sous chefs or whoever's going to do the work in right. there. It, there shouldn't be any roadblocks. It's your job as a wholesale provider to figure out how to make it work for the people that are just trying to make good coffee. It's not hard. Making good coffee is not hard. No, and you have the equipment necessary to do it without a lot of hands-on time. Yeah, get with someone, and I know there's people like this out there. Get with someone who gets you, man. Get with someone that gets you, man. The other thing I would say is that you should um, not offer a lot of different kinds of coffee. So if you want, I don't know what you're thinking. If you're going to have espresso and you're going to have whatever drip and maybe don't do pour over, maybe just offer your couple espresso beverages and your drip coffee and offer two to three tops but don't go too crazy yeah there's a cool donut shop in pismo beach and they are a Bugs stump- bunny goes there they're a Stumptown account and they have they do basic espresso beverages and they have hairbender on tap and then they have one other single origin that they also have like on tap they yep. batch brew them both and then that's it yeah and it's a it's a rad experience because you're going for the donuts. Yeah. And then it's and you bonus that good. you get to drink Stumptown with your donuts. Boom, people. Shake the room. Whistle club. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I really was happy that your approach was what it was, my friend. So thank you for writing in. You didn't leave your name, but uh, hopefully you know who you were. Or maybe your name's actually Ian. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I went to the next page. Potentially. Um, and then, down. Ian, thanks for your nice words about our coffee. That was cool of you to um, talk about. He actually asked one more question. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, let's do it. He likes the answer. Cool. And he asked what our approach to blending and how do we get tasty results. Um, he's not a single origin purist and occasionally has had tasty, well-balanced blends, but most of the blends he tries to use seem muddled, less focused, and overall are not as tasty as a good single origin. So he's tried matching solubility and all these things, but, uh, yep, he's happy to keep doing this. Is he a roaster? No, he's director of coffee currently at oh, a place, right, and he's right. starting an ice cream company. That's right, that's right. Um, so he's he, like, understands the nerdery in coffee. Um. I can talk about yeah. I mean, we could just blast off. How do you how do you think about roasting, Chris? I'll follow you on this. Blending, one. yeah. I think coffees can definitely come together. I love single origin espresso, but I'm not a single origin purist either. True. I really like complexity in coffee, and for as intricate and all the flavor compounds that coffee can has, there's sometimes something that is going to take two coffees to kind of satisfy me, or more. Yep. So I think. Blending starts at the end with a flavor profile that you have in mind. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you need, when we were blending for the answer, at first we're just, we know what we want it to taste like. And then we cup rounds of coffees, like rounds and rounds, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of coffees. We're making educated guesses on what we think will be able to make those happen. Uh Uh-huh. And then we're matching that expectation with reality to what we get on the cupping table, buying coffees to fill that need. So I think blending starts at the end. And then there's, I mean, there's different people who have different takes on blending. I know for a lot of companies, blending is purely functional. And it's like, we have this big coffee position booked out and we need to rotate coffees in there. And we're basically using it for like a dumping ground in some ways for things that we 
bought too much of or mm-hmm. we did our projections wrong so we need to put it somewhere so we'll put it in the espresso well and it just allows for everybody to buy a bunch of single origin coffees to showcase and then when they're done just throw them into the espresso or yeah. the house blend or whatever and i think that creates muddled blends yeah because they're not intentional mm-hmm. you have to be intentional from the get-go yeah and i would i would t- absolutely agree i mean we had an idea of what we wanted our coffee to taste like and um we generally just based on our experience in tasting coffee over the years knew the processing method and kind of general areas in the world where these coffees grew and what we wanted to or where we could look for these flavor profiles so i mean we picked like we knew there was going to be a natty jurgen there from the get-go we it was always going to be in there and then 100%. the brazil we were open we were open to actually any coffee we liked the idea of it being a brazil because brazilian coffees and some people hate this because they think they're far more complex than they are but a lot of brazilian coffees have this peanut butter heavy chocolatey thing first and then mm. fruit right um and then some of the people i talked to at the convention this year are like but there's so much more fruity and single origin and all that and I, I actually agree but we picked a brazilian coffee because we love that chocolate caramel peanut butter heavy body feel yeah. that's what we wanted out of it yeah there is so much room for that in coffee in fact, it's missing in coffee right now. So. I love that. I Me mean, too. I, it's one of my favorite coffees. It's Yeah. And that coffee, single origin too, it's, is fantastic. Yeah. And it has those qualities. And if you don't like those qualities, you won't like the coffee. But that, and it works perfectly. The, the one that was in the, the wild card was number three coffee yeah. in the blend. Because we needed something that was going to contribute to some acidity, mm-hmm. even though the Jurg's got nice acidity right. by itself. But it also it couldn't be sharp acidity. Yeah, we didn't want that. It that. had to be round-ish. Yep. Acidity and not like an overpowering like fruity coffee, but it also had to respond well to like caramelization in the roaster and right. be able to get sweet. Yeah, we, we basically were looking for a, a sweet coffee, and it was uh, you know acidity. Acidity was second to the sweetness and the ability for it to take roast. So it ended up being a Colombian coffee in this case, but I think in the future it could be a Guatemalan coffee and it could be probably a few different kinds of coffee costa rican coffee probably anyway there's like there's definitely coffees out there that'll take this it's been an ethiopian coffee that actually brings up a good point with that that third coffee right because just because it's colombian now doesn't mean we're going to get another colombian to fill its shoes yeah and i think a lot of people feel that way okay you take out colombia x and you put in columbia y columbia y and that just like fills the void or whatever but yeah it could be it could be guat yeah. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be that because the flavor is what we're driving towards. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I were to break it down. Right. And this is super general, but natural Jurg, we're bringing fruit. Brazil, we're bringing chocolate, caramel, base, body. Yeah. And all these coffees, by the way, have rollover into all these different categories. So don't get me wrong. And then the wash coffee, we're bringing some acidity and clarity and sweetness to the cup and you put all those things together correctly pay in mind you also have to roast all these coffees to get what you want out of them which is a whole nother world there's three other coffees in the world that probably taste similarly to the three coffees that we have in there and unless you roast them the right way it's not going to work anyway you know like there's there's a lot to this yeah absolutely Um, so that i mean that's our general approach is we have a flavor profile we find the coffees we think fit it based on cupping it and then we roast it to get the final cup and honestly we roast all three of those coffees um fairly differently because of what we need them to do in in the cup yeah it's definitely not a plug and play this is our espresso line no nah. they're they're different and if 
I'm assuming that most people are listening to this are hip to this, but if you have a blend like that, you do not want to roast it together. Please don't. Post roast blending. Roast those coffees like a single or roast them coffee. separately, then blend them together. And I, I'm sure most people are like already in that mindset, but I just feel like I have to say it for someone who's just tuning in and is maybe new to roasting overall. Right. That's best practices. I also <laughs> have to say that we have to stop listening to everybody assuming that single origin coffees are better just because the world keeps saying that. I think single origin coffees are awesome and they're really fun and they're easy to talk about a lot. Cause if you're serving a single origin coffee, there's only one thing to talk about. If people have a lot of information, but I think as far as an overall experience, if we were wise and we practiced, we would have far more interesting tasting experiences with blending than we would with single origin coffees. And that's just a personal thing. But, uh, you know, you don't have to agree with that. It's just, you know, what Chris said, different coffees equals more complexity than one coffee typically. Yeah, I, I really like that approach. And some of the favorite espressos that I've had, because I'm a, I'm a huge single origin espresso fan. Right. And, you know, the answer, Me too. Or the answer provides one experience. And then sometimes I want that brighter, livelier flavor. But for some reason, when people roast those for espresso production like that they're always single origins like why not make a blend like why not make mix two coffees together roast them lighter and then you can do that like 20 to 21 grams in push it to 40 plus out and have these really big open shots with like tons of clarity of flavor but tons of complexity right you know and just just run that thing wide open like that's exciting yeah, it seems like maybe we're going to do that. Oh, yeah, we are. Oh, yeah, sorry. We've already planned that. <laughs> we, we got that coming to you. Because uh, we're going to do blends that are on the same level as those single-origin coffees. So it's not just going to be like, oh, this is a blend. It's automatically a dark roast. Yeah, so if you come into the shop, you'll see you know, the grinder that has the answer in it, and then you'll see the other grinder that is like, quote, unquote, our single-origin grinder, but it might not be a single-origin. It's just the other coffee it's just that we're going to serve out of there. Yeah. And it's going to be more along the lines of that it's going to be a little brighter probably and it's going to be complex and it's going to be the bigger shot if you want volume wise most of the time it might not be that's the thing the other ex- whatever the other, the other grinder is the other grinder the other grinder yeah. it's just gonna it's there to kick you the truth dude. so it's gonna give you the truth we're that's gonna it. give you the truth out of that anyway well i think you know what it's been a real good day <laughs> a solid day i'm gonna have a date with my babe maybe call up the guys uh charles wants to talk to us about some uh cabinet dimension so we're gonna oh. call up mikey and our friends over there shout out to mikey galman and if you give a girl a saw for building our bar and tabletops and uh you know if you don't know now you know baby baby miss you guys so much already give a shout out to curtis brewers curtis has been pretty amazing to us over the years and they have some pretty cool stuff going on this is their 75th anniversary of this year they are the first company to bring digital Digital technology to brewing. Going digi, straight digi. I think one of the coolest things they do is they do 48-hour turnaround on all orders. So if you need a brewer in like two days, you can get that. Yeah, and most of the time it's actually faster, which is a trip. Uh, The other thing is that they're a family-owned company, and we're super down with that. They are four generations deep, and they have really built themselves a legitimate empire. We really believe in the family-owned and operated deal. They're from California, which is where we're from. So You know what's cool in California? 
Solar. Solar. Energy efficiency. They have what? 38,308. They have some like odd thousands of solar panels. So many solar panels that they are 90% neutral in their energy use. So if that's not enough shout outs and that's enough reason to get involved with these guys, I don't really know what it is. Chris. I got one more. Coffee tastes awesome. Oh, yeah. We drink it all the time out of Curse That's Brewery. just like a bonus, I guess, though. Yeah, I mean, if you want good coffee, you're an awesome coffee, company. Yeah. I mean, it's whatever. And it's not Cat and Clouds, try Curtis. 